Now, if you have a question to ask, please put it in the chat or if email works better or you'd like me not to share your identity as a questioner, send it to parishmin at uucpa.org. Parish, M-I-N, at uucpa.org. I'll get to as many of them as I can during the time we usually spend on the sermon. And I'll keep checking back to the chat. <sighs> we have a question from Mary Gravenkemper. How would you describe Unitarian Universalism to someone who is not familiar with it in three to four sentences? Well, first of all, I think we all should have our own way of doing this. Oh, there's a should. Um, it's really good um, to know um, how to answer this question because people are often looking for sort of um, what do we believe? And that's not usually the best place to start with Unitarian Universalism because we don't all believe the same things. Um, and that's a good thing to tell people, but I think giving a positive answer um, is better than giving a what we don't do. So what I usually say is something like this. I say we believe that um, in, in the wisdom, in looking for the wisdom that we need to live well, to find meaning and truth and um, ethical guidance for our life, we, we can draw on many, many sources, all the, all the religions of the world, all the so-called secular sources like science and nature and art and our own experience. So we as Unitarian Universalists draw on all those sources um, and, and try to pull the best from, from them and share them with each other. And um, we have different things that um, guide each of us. Some of us believe in God, some do not, for example. Um, but we share our different paths and, um, and find that we learn a great deal from each other um, in order to be better people. I try to say something like that. Um, I'd love to hear what you all say. I think that's a really good one. Oh, my goodness, this is so wonderful. It's just like getting these little piles of paper that I usually do in order. Um, by the way, if I can't get to all of these today, they guide me through the year and I often come back to question box questions um, to dig into them with more time with a sermon on, on just one question. Um, Greg Williams asks, what is a good way to engage with somebody who's conventionally religious? Well, with respect and listening, I would say. Ask them about themselves, ask them what they believe. It gets more complicated if they're trying to convince you or judge you. Um, but even so, I think uh, beginning with, with attentive listening and respect is, um, is usually, usually a wise start for anybody, especially talking about something as tender to them as, as their religious beliefs. Um, Stasha would like to know why stuffies love Dan so much. This might be a question for Dan or for the stuffies. Um, I can only say, and very appropriately to my last, uh, the last question that I just answered, I find Dan is a really good listener. Um, he has a great sense of humor. He's very respectful of, um, of people um, and of stuffies. So I really like to talk to him um, just because I know that um, that he's paying attention and cares about what I have to say. I bet the stuffies like that too, but that would be a great question to maybe ask them. I'd like to know why stuffies love Stasha so much. Um, and I bet there's a similar answer there. 
Um, Marianne Newworth asks, in this current time, which of the seven deadly sins do I think is the most egregious and why? Okay, this feels like a quiz. Can I remember all the seven deadly sins? Um, I mean, the one that's popping into my head, and I guess that's the one that I find most egregious, a lot of the time is greed. I think a lot of, um, a lot of the suffering that we visit upon one another and upon our world is um, the sin, if you will, of taking more than is our share, a feeling that we need more than we really need and um, disguising our wants, our desires of the moment as things that we really need. And that goes for all of us, not just the robber barons and the pillagers. I know, looking around myself, I, I have, I use more resources than, than I need. And as we know, that ultimately means we taking from one another and from the earth. Um, <clears throat> Indigo Morgenstern wants to know, how do you decide what to trust? That's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, I think it's something we learn over time, over and over, um, by trying to trust and sometimes having our trust betrayed. I just know it's really, it's been really important to me in my life. Sometimes I've trusted too much. I've trusted, for example, people I shouldn't have. Um, you know, people who whose trust proved to not they proved not to be trustworthy. Um, they turned out to be mean or unkind or, or lied in some way. Um, and other times I haven't trusted enough and I've passed up chances for friendship because I wasn't willing to be vulnerable. So I think as with most relationships, you kind of try to risk a little more, try to risk a little more. You don't risk it all. You don't entrust your whole life savings to somebody you barely know. Um, but you try to open your heart a little bit more to people bit by bit. Um, and learn whom you can trust. Sometimes we learn it the hard way, unfortunately. Christy Iverson wants to know, what do, I what do I most appreciate about doing services online and what do I most miss about being in person? Boy, this is a question I'd love to ask all of you too, so do let me know. Um, I, uh, huh. Well, one thing I really appreciate is I feel like I've gotten to know a whole new crop of volunteers. Um, I know uh, the tech crew is busy chatting away on a phone call that I'm not in on um, during, the, during the service and they're getting to know each other well, but um, to a lesser degree, I feel like I'm getting to know them. And, and that's really, really nice, just a different crew. Um, and, um, and excuse me, right today, I just love the comfort of quote unquote broadcasting from my own home, but I like it better when I'm when I'm from, from church in our, in our significant place. Um, so, um, so the comfort only goes so far. Um, but um, really what I appreciate the most is that we, we are reaching people who live far away. People like Mariam who moved away a long time ago, Audrey who's just moved since the pandemic began and yet she can still join us. Folks like Jessalyn coming in um, from college uh, where she's back. Um, so I hope we'll see Jessalyn again from Pittsburgh. Um, that's just wonderful that we have this wider reach. And also people closer to home who have trouble getting to church who I didn't realize how much, how much that was a barrier for them. Um, that they weren't gonna be able to accept rides on Sunday morning, but they can check in online. And I know there's still people who are excluded. Um, so that's one of the things I miss the most. I wanna make sure everybody's connected online who, who possibly can be so they're not um, getting, they're not missing out. 
And what I miss most is um, chatting with people after the service, actually being able to check in with people who bring up joys and sorrows. I try to call people um, who, who bring up something big, but there's nothing like just being able to, to touch a shoulder or check in eye to eye with people and hug people. That's rough. Again, please tell us. We'll, we'll mitigate all that we can during this time. So please tell me what you miss, what you like, what we could be doing more of. Shoot me an email. Barbara Seanborn uh, wants to know, how do you teach a child to adapt to change? Oh, that really comes more easily to some of us than to others, doesn't it? I mean, some people just seem to be born more adaptable. Um, that's part of our temperament. And some are, um, are just are really easily thrown by change. And um, I guess with most things with kids, I think just really um, accepting and affirming people for who they are really, really helps that they know that they've got you as a solid person, no matter what, especially if they're having trouble dealing with change. They know you're not judging them, you're not angry at them, you're not, um, you don't think less of them because they're, um, they have trouble adapting so that you're a solid anchor from which they can adventure out um, and just be really patient. And then maybe accompany them a little bit. Um, Oh, we're trying something new. Would you like me to go with you? Literally, you know, go someplace or, you know, do you want to tell me about it? Older kids, of course, you can ask them a little bit about what they're frightened of. Younger kids, I think you just have to kind of be there and let them know they're going to, as much as possible, they're going to decide what they need to uh, experience. And, um, and you're not going to throw them into any situation that's really terrifying, unless you have to. <laughs> Linda Hennigan wants to know, did that thunder and lightning storm last night spark any mystical or sacred thoughts or ideas? Not for me. I'd love to know if anybody had a mystical idea. I know I love it. Um, I mostly slept through the whole thing. Uh, I was just aware enough that there was a thunderstorm going on to, to be happy about it and wonder if the stuff that we have under our deck was staying dry, not wide enough awake to go do anything about it. Um, I do love the feeling, thunderstorms are special, aren't they? In that they're one of those wonderful experiences of nature being so powerful and so beyond our control and yet usually not threatening. Not like a flood or an earthquake, which lets us know that in a really, really scary way. Um, despite my cat's terror, I know thunderstorms are not actually um, very dangerous. So, um, so I can just enjoy nature's might at that moment. <clears throat> I suppose that's a sacred thought of a, of a kind. <clears throat> Valerie Villarreal asks, America seems at risk of being taken by anti-science, religion-infused populism that risks our health and environment. Boy, you said a mouthful. How can we help mainstream society, the electorate, see science and spirituality to coexist? What a great question. I think that's really something we offer, isn't it? Um, I think... Um, I think there is still a very common popular idea that religion and science are uh, competitors, um, including on the left as well as the right. There's certainly sort of um, rationalists such as the, the new atheists, um, Richard Dawkins and Daniel Dennett and so on, who don't, who don't buy that we have a good balance, who think that you know, we must be giving into superstition or something and abandoning our commitment to science. I think we really, really hold both um, in our tradition and that that's a wonderful witness to the world. Um, 
So we're small, but I think saying that wherever we, I mean, comment sections, right? Oh, God help us. Wherever that pops up to say, you know, I am a person of faith. And in my religion, I do not have to choose between, between re religion and science. It all fits together. That's my unitary universalist faith and hope that it sinks into people. Some will not believe us. They'll believe we're actually superstitious or we're not really religious. And, but some will check us out and have that model. Nice to know that maybe we can contribute something there. Uh, da, 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 da. I know I probably have things on email. I will go and check them in just a moment. Don't worry if you email me something. Uh, Karen Skold asks, being a minister means giving of your heart and soul always. How do you restore yourself when you feel drained? Do you have suggestions for us based on your experience? What a lovely, sensitive question, Karen. Um, yeah, I mean, for, for me, I've been at this a long time, and I find that a lot of my recharging comes from, um, from the work itself, um, kind of like a, a hybrid car battery. Um, I get charged as I roll along. Um, not only, I need just plain rest and time with my family and time alone and, and so on also, um, a time when I'm, I'm on, on a real break from all my work. Um, but a lot of it just comes from conversations with folks at church and everything and our moments of, of in the service together. That's, that gives me such a boost. Um, so I, and I think what I've learned from everybody from, from this that I can pass on to everybody is, um, you know, really pay attention to what causes you stress. And instead of feeling like it shouldn't or anything like that, um, you know, as I think ministers can feel like sometimes, oh, I should give myself to all of this. It shouldn't make me feel tired. It's good work. Of course, it makes you feel tired. As you say, if you give some, if you give your heart and soul, of course, it can be draining sometimes. So really pay attention and don't, don't short, don't, don't short your, um, don't rob yourself of that. Um, so whatever that is for you, pay attention and know yourself. Uh, and um, you're lucky if you're pretty introverted like me and in this time, what gives you, what, what peps you up is just being in your garden or reading or being with your, your family, uh, the people who are, you already live with. You're really lucky if that recharges you and I'm lucky that way. If what recharges you is going to a rock concert or a crowded place, this is not such a good time for you. And you're gonna have to find, um, find uh, substitutes for that. But it's all about knowing yourself and, and do it. Don't shortchange yourself. That's the word I was looking for, shortchange. Don't shortchange yourself. You can't, you can't keep giving of yourself if you're feeling drained. <laughs> Florence Haas has a wonderful uh, answer. No committee meeting was needed. Nature just spoke out. There you go. That's your answer for thunder and lightning. Uh, Weijia Chang asks, um, what can help someone live in the present when they are losing their sense of optimism about the future? I think for me, some history helps recognizing that people have been through very terrible times. Um, have had a really grim picture of their own future, the world's future, their society's future at many times in, in human history. And 
they have maintained a sense of optimism enough to go on and left, leave us whatever evidence we have of, of that, their writings, their art, and so on. So for me, reading fiction of the past, reading history really, really helps to recognize, oh, here they were, they were just like us, and this is, this is what they endured and this is what they gave us. That helps me keep a sense of perspective. Um, and then maybe focusing less on the future and just, I do this so badly myself, but try to focus on something that puts you in the present. Um, again, I mean, it's really hard to just think present, present. I'm not like possum. I, I can't sort of sit and meditate and be there. Maybe that works for you, but maybe just doing something that engages you fully, um, making, making music, um, doing something with your hands, something that really connects you to here I am right now. Um, something that engages the senses, I think tends to do that more for all of us, can maybe, um, can maybe do that better. Um, Eric Beer asks, which charities particularly deserve our support at this time? Oh Lord, honestly. I, I, don't, I don't have any particular guidance. I, you can all ask each other that question, but I think they all need it. Um, and they, the, whatever you feel is, for whatever reason, tugs at your sense of what, um, what is suffering most, where the help is, is most um, needed. It's not being provided by usual sources like big foundations or the government or something or these are the people who always get left out or the beings who always get left out, um, give there. Honestly, there's, there's enough to go around. I will note as a, general, um, as a general observation, Unitarian Universalists um, as a class, upper class liberal people as a class, give a great deal to things like the arts and education, their own educational, you know, your own alumni associations and so on. Those are all really good, but be aware that sometimes other kind of charitable um, organizations miss out from us um, in contrast. So if that's your tendency, you might think about who are the places you're not necessarily personally connected to, but are really doing great work in the world. Oh. Brian asks, what if the right hand of God was that rain cloud that descended on the Bay Area this morning? What if it was? Lovely thought. Reverend Dan mentioned we might have an all-church sing-along over Zoom. Is that going to happen? I do not know. Dan, I know, is listening. So, Dan, shoot us an update at some point. Um, you all know the, diff the technological difficulties with singing together. Dan and Bruce have done as much as anybody here to research what are some options um, for that. And I know Dan is part of some musical groups that have found some ways to make music together, despite the built-in lag of video conferencing. So, um, and I also know that's a really big part of Dan's um, social life and dare I say spiritual practice, correct me if I'm not Dan. So um, he'll let us know, but uh, sounds like we're due for an update, whether or not that um, is soon to come. Oh, I'm seeing lots of great observations. Um, do, 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 wanna check. Um, 
Prashant has some great uh, advice about parenting. And I will just say, because I really love how to talk so kids will listen and listen so kids will talk, um, those other uh, books are now on my to-read list. Um, checking for questions. I'm loving all the conversations. So I hope everybody who can't see the chat because it's going by too fast, um, save it for yourself and check it later. You can just do that with copy and paste. Um, bum, 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 bum. Lots of charities being suggested, for example. Okay, let me check my uh, email. I have a question here um, and I won't share your name unless you tell me it's okay. I'm not sure if these are anonymous or not. What are your views on money? It seems to play a major role in the choices in my life. How did you view the importance of money in your lives when you chose your career and such? Oh, such good questions. I was really, I think, lucky. One, that I had a solid um, financial background. My parents didn't have a lot of money, but in those days um, and with their circumstances, I could go through college, for example, and not come out with too much in the way of student loans. And I had parents who um, rather blithely just encouraged me to do what I wanted to do and not worry too much about money. I realize very much that's class privilege speaking, um, but I also appreciate that I was being told um, to trust that I could earn the money that I needed to and I should do what I loved. So from my parents and also just from some books and ideas that I absorbed pretty early on, like in my um, late teens, I really formed a commitment to do the work that I loved. And not that money wouldn't be a consideration, but that I was never thinking, oh, first thing is I just have to earn a lot of money. I just, I had the idea that I just needed to earn enough money um, to, to pay the rent, so to speak. Um, and I'm really, really glad about that um, because it meant that I, I just waded into the work that I really loved. And um, I had to take time off for, from seminary, for example, because I really could not afford to keep being in school um, and going into this, this um, career that might or might not give me the money I needed to repay my loans. So I've been very fortunate that it played out and I don't wanna be glib about it. Um, but fortunately, um, thanks to getting this job, for example, I've been able to manage um, the, um, that's what I really want to give everybody. And it, it has had a huge effect on my political views that I feel like everybody should have a firm enough floor under them that they can, they can give to the world what their talents call them to give and not think, oh, I can't do X, Y, Z valuable thing because it doesn't pay. That's a terrible thing to learn. And I also really hope that we can raise all the kids in our congregation to know they don't have to be rich to be okay, to be um, solid financially. They just need to be able to pay for their necessities and, and the rest is, is lovely if you can have some luxuries on top of that. Um, I think that really frees up a lot of your choices. And I think one of the ironies of growing up in a very wealthy place like Palo Alto is people think they don't, they feel like they don't have a lot of choices because they have to be really, they have to be rich to be happy. And that's a sad, that's a very sad and limiting thing to feel. Um, all right, I could go on a lot about this, but that's been quite enough, uh, a long enough answer. Um, money, 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 such a big question. Um, 
I have, this is not really this question, but somebody is asking the question that the passcode is incorrect. All I know is I got on with the passcode 039225. So do try it again. I'm sorry you're shut out. Ah, ta, 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 ta. One possible other question. I think I'm getting all these. Um, sorry, I'm reading. I know it's boring to watch me read, but I will be through with an exciting answer soon. Someone shares, I find myself angry nearly every day. The news is so appalling. How are you dealing with so much negative emotion? What do I suggest? Oh, again, you might better learn from not doing what I do. I spend too much time on the news, um, too much time engaging with um, things and people who make me angry. I think I still have this myth in my mind that I'm going to convince them, you know, that someone is wrong on the internet problem. Um, <clears throat> So I know what we should both be doing. Um, I don't mean ignore negative stuff. Negative stuff is here and it's a very big part of what is really happening in the world. So I'm not a big fan of like not watching the news or something like that. But I do think paying attention to the positive vision. Look at who is doing the things that you want to see done in the world and broadcast those and engage with those and say, oh, I want more of that, you know. Um, look at the candidates you like, the people who are doing the things in the world that you like, and, and make more of that instead of saying less of this and this, especially the things that we feel pretty helpless to do anything about. Um, and there's actually, there's a magazine called Yes Magazine, is it still going, that um, engages with these things, but for a positive, it looks out, seeks out positive things. Who's, who's doing things that really help? Um, it's not just sort of feel-good things. It's, um, here's a, here's a, way of in creating better housing in poor communities that's really working. It's such a good way to be engaged in the world but not getting bogged down in anger. Really tough one. Here's a really powerful anonymous question. When do you choose to return no one evil for evil? That's a quote from our benediction. Return no one evil for evil versus protecting yourself. Well, although it might not look like it to them, I think protecting yourself, actual defensive action, you know, emotionally or physically, is not usually harming somebody. They may say it is, they may feel it is, because they can't do everything they want to do. Um, and they see that as the exercise of their freedom. They see it as interacting with you in the way they want to interact with you but you get to protect yourself and it is not actually doing somebody harm to say this far and no farther. I think an awful lot, we can do an awful lot just with firmer boundaries, physical and emotional around ourselves. And if people feel like that is harming them, usually that's on them. It's not up to you to make people feel better. I'm sorry, I may not be addressing the kind of thing you're thinking at all, and I'd love to talk more privately if you want. Oh, let us see. Um, bum, 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 bum. 
I might have missed some as I left the chat, so I'm back. Valerie asks again, do we hope to grow UU membership much during these remote times? I don't, but um, but we have had some new members like you, Valerie and Cesar. Um, wonderful to have you. And I know it's harder to engage and get to know people. Um, normally, people would be in small groups and so on. That's what we encourage. And it's just harder to get integrated into a community in this time. So uh, do everybody click on those, those uh, rainbow colored um, links at the beginning of your order of service and stay engaged with each other. Um, that's not about growing our membership. It's about, about caring for each other and having a strong community um, during this time. It is about time for me to wrap up. Um, but I hope I was able to take in most of your questions. And thank you for asking them. They're so wonderful. And uh, you hear a lot from me, but I really, really need to hear back from you all to know what's on your mind and what's in your heart. So keep letting me know all around the year, please. <laughs>